Thank you for listening to Inside the 435. Our show is supported by sponsors and our loyal audience. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. This podcast is hosted and produced with Anchor. Here is why you should use Anchor to produce your podcast. It's free, no cost to you ever. There are creation tools built into Anchor allowing you to record, edit, and upload your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor takes the tedious and long process of distribution off of your to-do list. Your show will be automatically distributed to Spotify and Apple Podcasts for you. Everyone dreams of making a little bit of money from a podcast. This is made possible by Anchor. With no minimum listenership, you can be offered sponsorships. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do not wait a second longer. Download the free Anchor app, that's A-N-C-H-O-R, or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of Inside the 435. It is Friday, December 11th, 2020, and I am your host, Jack Bowie, here today to talk about a lot of things. Uh, Brexit likely to occur on January 1st, Melania Trump wanting to go home, and the FDA advisory panel voting to recommend the Pfizer vaccine. All this and more on this episode of Inside the 435. Uh, So we are seeing uh, coronavirus numbers go up. We are seeing uh, the people, the amount of people who are uh, following safety measures go up. But we're also seeing a lot of things, uh, you know, not go very well. Um, in this episode, we are going to talk about the U.S. reaching daily high numbers of COVID-19. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some studies that came out uh, that talk about the uh, effect that political party has on people's likelihood to follow rules. So first, uh, Brexit, which is uh, the um, uh, Brit- Brit- Britain exit from the European Union, uh, that has been a uh, a uh, talk for a very long time, and it sounds like it is going to occur on January first. Britain will be leaving the European Union, um, but you know I, I don't want to talk about it. Um, if you want to talk to me about it, um, you know, let me know. If you want me to talk more about it in the next episode, let me know. Uh, but I know most of you don't care. Um, I thought I'd talk. I'd tell you that it was happening, but. Um, you know, we'll talk about, you know, actually, uh, you know, what it means if you want. Um, so Melania Trump has been reported, reported um, uh, packing things up, getting ready to leave, knowing that they lost, while Trump has not even considered it. From the beginning, Trump has stated that he has not lost the election. The election was a fraud. He is being, um, um, the election has been stolen from him, which we all know has not happened. Um, you know, anybody with half a brain knows that the election was not stolen from President Trump. Anybody with half a brain knows that he lost by five million, five million votes, uh, meaning that there are five million more people in the U.S. who dislike President Trump than like him. So uh, Melania Trump is getting ready. She's packing things up. She's getting ready to leave. And Trump has not uh, reached that part of his of his planning yet. Uh, it shows this shows. I mean, even the first lady. Um, knows that Trump has lost the election. She knows that um, they're getting ready to go home. She's packing things up, um, getting it ready to either be sent to New York or to Florida, um, you know, where Trump spends most of his time. Um, you know what? And Trump, 
I think he needs to realize that, you know, he had a good run. He did some very good things as president. He doesn't have a future in politics. Um, and, and it's crazy that we're saying that the president of the United States doesn't have a future in politics. Um, but no, he doesn't. He's not going to be a politician. He shouldn't be. Um, he has no place being a politician. He doesn't know what he's talking about, um, you know, pretty much at all. Um, and yeah, what he needs to do is kind of just settle down and, um, I don't know, whatever he needs to do, go buy some new golf clubs or whatever, you know, he needs to do to recover from, you know, the past four years. Um, but you know, that's, that's not new news. That's something that we all knew. We all knew that he had lost. We all knew that, uh, everybody knew we, he had lost, uh, so, you know, from the beginning, Melania Trump was supporting him, but that's definitely changed. Um, she's definitely stopped supporting him as much as she has towards the beginning. Um, which makes sense. I mean, there's, there's absolutely no, no evidence. There's nothing to, uh, suggest that she should be supporting him. Um, it's very hard to support somebody when there's so much evidence. I mean, it, it's, it's tough. Just like, you know, the OJ trial, Robert Kardashian could not support it because there was too much evidence saying that, you know, he couldn't. So Melania Trump's going to stand by his side, but, you know, she knows that, that the election is over. And, you know, I can somewhat respect her for that, you know, the bare necessities. But And this very, very, very dangerous Pfizer vaccine, this very dangerous uh, vaccine that's meant to help us, um, is has been voted by the FDA advisory panel advisory panel and they recommended the Pfizer vaccine uh the food and drug administration to act soon um and what we're looking at here is basically a scenario where uh you know we have one entire political party well not one entire political party but a, a group of people in one political party who are stating that this, this vaccine is dangerous more dangerous than a virus that is killing millions and millions of people um you know typical republican stuff and basically that's what we're seeing we're and um even even the educated Republicans are are saying that there's danger in it, and there's danger in any vaccine. There's danger in the flu, vac- flu vaccine, but there's going to be danger in a in a new vaccine. So, I, I think the benefit outweighs the cost, but that's up to you to decide. Um, I think that schools and and yeah, I think that schools, private and private and public, should require the vaccine to go to school. Um, I've said that from the beginning. I'm a firm believer that you should be you should be required to get vaccines regardless of religious um, opposition. And I think that, yes, you should be required to get a vaccine if you want to attend school. That is no question. I, I don't want to debate that with anybody. Um, I'll debate my reasoning, but I'm not going to debate that fact that I believe that everybody should be forced to get a vaccine to go to school. U.S. Daily reaches daily high numbers of COVID-19 with uh, intensive care units reaching capacity in many states. And this is actually um, a stat that I like, the ICU capacity, because towards the beginning, we actually didn't have um, very full ICUs. Uh, we actually had a lot of empty space in intensive care units, um, and we were looking actually pretty good. Um, we we knew that we had a lot of space. We knew that it was only going to get worse, and it was um, projected that we were going to be okay and that we would never reach hospital capacity. We're now starting to realize that that's not true. People are being turned away um, because they either don't have COVID, but they have um, more serious medical conditions. And I think that people with more serious medical conditions um, – should be uh, given priority over COVID patients. I truly believe that because COVID is a virus um, and it is a virus that's killing people and it's going to kill people. But I think somebody who is, um, you know, whose heart stops, like there was a mother in Utah, I believe, and her heart random, you know, randomly stopped and she went to the hospital and they didn't have space for her in the ICU and she died. 
if there was one less COVID patient in that hospital, she would most likely be alive. So the, these are the cases that we're looking at where we are full and we are turning away people. The hospital should never be turning away patients. And that's where we are. So that shows that, that the virus is worse than it was towards the beginning. Towards the beginning, we were not full. Um, hospitals prepared for the worst. They set up, you know, uh, I, I have a, a cousin who works at a hospital and they set up an entire new hospital in the gymnasium across the street and they never used it. They still haven't used it. Um, but we prepared for the worst and it's very, you know, in a way it's very good that we did that. It cost a lot of money, but it's very good that we did that. And, uh, now, you know, we're finally getting to a point where we're getting close to ICU capacity or we're over ICU capacity in many states. Uh, 20 states right now are seeing a COVID case surge by more than 50%. That is more than 50%. That is 1.5 times uh, their, their original COVID case surge. And those states are California, Oregon, Nevada, Arizona, Alaska, Hawaii, Nebraska, Kansas, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, Maine, Massachusetts, um, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maryland, Iowa, New Jersey, New Hampshire, and Delaware. Those 20 states have seen COVID case surges by over 50%. So people are getting very excited about the vaccine in states like this. Even in states where they're not seeing over 50% surges, they're seeing close to that. People are getting very excited about the virus, but I don't want to crush your dreams. The virus is going to work. I mean, that's a fact. We all know that. We all know that. But um, it's not going to work like we think. It's not like the virus, the the vaccine's going to start spreading and everybody's going to get it. And we're going to be we're going to be good. People are not going to get it, and it's not going to work that fast. It is expected that the virus could take over a month to make a major change in the numbers. All right, so we're going to see cases drop. Actually, I think even with the virus, we're going to see them rise because of Christmas season. But um, we are going to see them drop when, the, when we really get widespread use of the vaccine. But it's not going to be fast. It could take months. Um, it could take months before we get an actual widespread use of this vaccine. It could take months before we actually get a lot of people who are, um, who are taking the vaccine. And it, it could take months before we get that, um, you know, that immunity. So we are not going to see a major change. And we are not going to see a major change in restrictions. But a big part of this episode that I want to talk about is I want to talk about restriction data. Studies show that now that we're at this point, it took eight months, eight months it took of this for uh, more people to follow rules than are not now. Studies are showing that now more people are starting to follow rules and more people are following rules than are not following rules. But there is a partisan split. So that is something I actually want to look at. So I'm going to pull up some numbers here and we're going to look at this partisan split because I think it's very important that we acknowledge this. That there is a partisan split and um, that it is not uh, looking good for Republicans. All right, so here's what we're looking at. We're looking at this. These numbers. Republicans mention masks or mask wearing more often than Democrats when asked how the COVID-19 pandemic has made their life difficult or challenging. So this question was open-ended. And this is the percentage in each group who mentioned the following words or terms. If we're looking at Democrats. The number one um, uh, thing that the COVID-19 pandemic 
has done that has made their life difficult or challenging is not being able to see their family. And I, I can't believe, I mean, that that's a very good reason. And then, this, you know, about the same amount is um, uh, work, not being able to go to work. But can you seriously believe that the number one way that this coronavirus has made the lives of Republicans difficult is mask wearing? 19% uh, say that masks uh, have made their life difficult. And it's, it's not necessarily mask wearing. It's just mask is, is the term. Um, and then 14% mentioned the term wear, and then 13% mentioned the term wear mask. So 27% of references to masks express, express skepticism about the mask and or severity of the pandemic in general. And only 3% of that for Democrats. I, when I look at this pandemic, I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't even consider masks. Like that masks have not made my life difficult in any way. Like when I look at masks, I'm like, okay, this is something we need to do so that we can get all of the things that you're seeing on this list back. All right. So I'm not considering masks to be a major problem at all. They're not a problem, but let's keep looking. Um, then it was work and that's, that's a big one. Um, and then for Democrats, it was friends, people, um, you know, family over there for the Republicans. So very similar here. Uh, able was probably meaning, you know, to, uh, um, you know, able to do things. Thirty-one um, percent of references for the republic or for the Democrats to mask expressed concern that others are not wearing the masks. Um, then, Jen Jobs were actually one of the least concerned, or at least uh, used words for the um, uh, Democrats. And now, finally, we're seeing that mask that mask number at ten percent. So that's, I think, very interesting. That the Republicans major one of the Republicans' major concerns is mask wearing, and the Democrats' major concerns are not being able to do things because um, of the pandemic, but they're accepting it. The Democrat, the Republicans are, um, oh, we we, we want to do these things, but we're not going to do the things to fix it, and that's extremely disappointing. Like that's that's so bad. So now let's look at more information here. We're going to look at uh, these numbers. Um, so here we are. Um, I'm going to pull them up real quick. Here's the numbers we're looking at. So this is the percent of people who say they have uh, because... Um, Percent of people who say they have blank because of their recent uh, coronavirus outbreak. 42% have decided to not travel or change their travel plans. 40%. So that's less than, that's not most. 40% have canceled their plans to attend large gatherings. 35% have stacked up on items such as food, household supplies, or medications. 26% uh, have stayed home instead of going to work, school, or other regular activities. And 12% have bought or worn a protective mask. This is just people who say, you know, and 67 have taken one of the precautions. All right. So that looks good. All right. That looks like like a good thing. All right. So now we're going to look at uh, the difference in Democrats and Republicans. OK, so this is the uh, really important number because it shows a very, very strong partisan split. So let's look at uh, these numbers here. 
Democrats find it more likely than Republicans to report taking coronavirus precautions. Percent of people who say they have blank because of the recent coronavirus outbreak decided to travel or change travel plans. Democrats, 53%. Independents, 43%. Republicans, 29%. Canceled large plans to attend large gatherings. Democrats, 49%. Independents, 39%. Republicans, 28%. Stocked up on items such as food, household supplies, or medications. Stayed home, um, 44% Democrats, 33% Independents, 28% Republicans. Stayed home instead of going to work, school, or other regular activities. 32% Democrats, 26% Independents, 20% Republicans. And finally, bought or worn a protective mask. We know this number's more. This is just people who mentioned it. Uh, 16% of Democrats, 13% of Independents, 7% of Republicans have taken at least one of these precautions. 80% of the Democrats have taken one of those precautions. 68% of Independents have taken one of those precautions. And uh, just over half, 53% of Republicans have taken one of those precautions. So we this is we've known this from the beginning. It's been very obvious in the way that people respond to the virus. But Democrats are much, much, much more likely to take precautions and take the virus seriously. Um, so now let's look at this. These numbers here. I have a lot of numbers um, that are very interesting and that I think everybody needs to see. So here. About half of Democrats think they would be able to get a test for coronavirus compared to three and four Republicans. Do you think you would be able to get a test for coronavirus if you thought or needed one or not? I had coronavirus a couple weeks ago. I wanted to go get a test so that my numbers would be counted so that, you know, the state could keep track. I got a test, got my results back in three days. All right. It was just down the street from us. I could have biked there. All right. In total, 64% say you think they would be able to. 24% think no, they would not be able to. Almost most Democrats think, or uh, most most of everyone thinks that they can. 50, just over 50% of Democrats think that they would be able to get a test. 65% of independents think they'd be able to get a test. And uh, three-fourths of Republicans think they'd be able to get a test. So Democrats are very worried about availability and testing. Um, I think this is a, a, a um, it's, it's an unnecessary worry. Um, I think the testing is a very act- is actually very good. And I, I would be in that that thirty six percent Democrat number there. Um, I think the testing is very good. I think we've got widespread testing, and I think that you know we've got um, very strong ability to you know get these tests and get them when we need to. Um. So the 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 levels of worry um, is also interesting between Democrats and Republicans. Um, Democrats are more worried. So here, uh, people who say percent of people who say they are very or somewhat worried. They or someone in their family will get sick from the coronavirus. 73% of Democrats, 50% of Republicans. Their investments, such as retirement or college savings, will be negatively impacted by the coronavirus. 63% of Democrats are worried. 43% of Republicans are worried. They will lose income due to a workplace closure or reduced hours because of coronavirus. 53% of Democrats, 27% of Republicans. They will not be able to afford testing or treatment for the coronavirus if they need it. 16% of Republicans, 46% of Democrats. And finally, they will put themselves at risk of exposure to coronavirus because they can't afford to stay home and will miss work. 43% of Democrats. 20% of Republicans. In every way, Democrats are more likely than Republicans to worry about negative consequences of the coronavirus. And these are numbers that have not changed really throughout the entire virus. We are looking at very similar numbers throughout um, 
you know, the pat the the you know beginning of the virus towards the middle, but you know, the only thing that's changed is the numbers of people who feel that they are more knowledgeable. But now let's look at trust levels. Trump has placed a, an enormous amount of distrust in the system into the, the minds of the American people. So we're going to look at the, at the levels of trust, all right? And here's what we're looking at. How much do you trust the following to provide a reliable uh, information on the coronavirus? The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC, 48% uh, trust, 37% trust a fair amount, 10% trust not much, and only 3% not at all. The World Health Organization, 41% trust a great deal, 37% trust a fair amount, 12% trust not much, and 7% trust not at all. Your state government officials, 28% trust a great deal, 43% trust a fair amount, 18% trust not much, and 9% trust not at all. Your local government officials, 25% trust a great deal, 45% trust a fair amount, 19% trust not much, and 9% trust not at all. And here's where it's uh, getting interesting. The news media, only 15% trust a great deal, 31% trust a fair amount, 26% trust not much, and 25% trust not at all. And here's my favorite uh, statistic of all. President Trump, 23% trust a great deal, 23% trust a fair amount, 18% trust not much, and 33%, a third of people do not not at all trust President Trump, which means that people trust the CDC, the World Health Organization, your state government officials, your local government officials, and the news media more than they trust the president of the United States. That is a very, very sad statistic. I'm happy to report that more people trust the president than the news media a great deal. But when it comes to not at all, one third of Americans do not trust the president to provide reliable information on the coronavirus. Why? Because he hasn't made a good name for himself. He hasn't um, he hasn't provided reliable information. So those are extremely uh, that's extremely good information that I think was important for you to look at. Important for me to look at. I enjoyed looking at it. Um, in some ways, I actually did not enjoy looking at it. So what we're seeing is Democrats are much much more likely in every way to be worried about the virus, to take precautions to solve problems with the virus, um, to trust science uh, in the face of the virus. And, um, you know, we knew that that that's been apparent. I mean, President Trump is leading the Republican Party um, as the president of the United States, and he doesn't trust science. He doesn't want to take precautions to stop the virus, and he is not worried about the virus. Um, the only thing Trump is worried about is not being able to, um, um, you know, make a good name for himself and and make money. Um, and that, that's actually the the majority of the Republican Party. Um, you know, they, they're not worried about they're more worried about the effects of the coronavirus and not the coronavirus itself. So that is really it for this episode. Um, thank you very much for watching. Um, I, I know we learned a lot about, uh, you know, the partisan differences between Republicans and Democrats. And uh, thank you for being with me throughout 10 episodes. And I hope many, many more are to come. Uh, we should see an episode tomorrow. And again, hope you all have a great day. Um, it has been great. Uh, it is f December 11th, 2020. Uh, I hope everybody has a great holiday season, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a nice day, and be kind to one another.